You're listening to the Desert Moon Hockey Podcast with Matt and Rich. Uh, what is that game called? Oh, God. It was like you tag Jet Set Radio. Hell yeah. There we go. <laughs> I was gonna go Tendo Kitten Adventure. Oh, oh, and we're recording. Oh, oh, they they've been oh. listening to us ramble for uh, ten oh. seconds. Hi, what is up? Death Hello. Hockey Podcast. Oh, oh, episode oh. Adrian Acoin. Hey. Hi. Hello, everyone. Richie, take it away. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's a way to start the episode. Uh, on today's episode, we have quite a few things to talk about, including uh, Barrett Hayden finally getting off the uh, goose egg. And getting his first point, thank goodness, uh, we had more unsuspected wins coming out of teams that you'd expect to be playoff teams this year, uh, including um, unsuspected, or I should say, definitely suspected losses by the Dallas Stars at home, but they uh, did not make it pretty. They definitely blew up the coyotes and then uh we get some great news to uh talk about at the last subject here which is that uh dylan gunther is going to remain on the coyotes at least past his nine game stint which is uh actually start with that because i i have a concern Okay. And it's not, nothing to do with, with Gunner or the team. I think Gunner's played phenomenal. I think I stand by what I said that he's an NHL player. I think the, the best competition he should play against right now is NHL. Probably going to be best for his development. Yep. It's coming from the guy that when I watched that preseason game in Tucson, I thought he, was gonna, he wasn't going to make the roster. And then when we got to regular season, I'm like, okay, he'll probably get five games. We'll be conservative and send him back down. He has exceeded every expectation. He, he has just been that guy. Absolutely love Dylan Gunther. It's happening a little earlier than we all thought, but hey, remember what I said about young rosters and young players? They can boom or bust, but one thing I don't understand, and I I hope that you can provide some sort of clarity and make this make some sense, is the amount of Coyotes fans are like, oh, uh, burning that one year of the ELC is going to come back to bite them, And, and my mindset is pretty clear. Let's just say we get Adam Fentilli, that's going to be my, my stand-in for this year's draft. All right, so unless... You know, Cooley, Gunner, and Fantilli are all going to make $10 million plus, and this is all, like, at the exact same time, which is highly unlikely. They'd probably get bridge deals first. You still got to make it through ELC, how guys are, are working. But unless that is the scenario, and even then, BA has done a pretty good job of making sure that, you know, the Hayden contract, the Kraus contract, even before the Hayden contract was signed, hey, you know, they act like we have so much cap space, yet you had $20 million in cap space. He's being very conservative I don't understand the concern that this is going to be, like bite them later. I, I don't get where that's coming from. Do you have? So like, can you justify it or? Yeah. So I think what a lot of people f- are afraid of is when you look around the league at young guns who get big money after their their entry levels. So I'll just use um, Vancouver as an example, right? Uh, they made a bunch of stupid choices with picking on. Um, like UFAs, they took on a lot of veteran UFAs that cap crunched them and suffocated them. Uh, you know, we know as Coyotes fans, we took on $12 million worth of cap space relief from them just because of three veterans that they signed way too much money to. Um, because of that, it made it very difficult for them to sign uh, Brock Besser, Elias Pettersson, JT Miller... 
uh, Quinn Hughes, all those guys, it was very difficult. It was a very tight, you know, a tight squeeze to get them in under the cap. And uh, what people are afraid of is they're looking at that projection and going, we don't want to be that team. But here's the thing. They also signed really, really dumb contracts, like veteran contracts, to get themselves into that situation. I don't suspect us doing that. The only the only questionable contract that I could see going, okay, this is a lot of money, would be if the Coyotes were to actually max, <laughs> max contract sign uh, Austin Matthews, if that does ever happen. That would be the only contract we're going, okay, money's a little tight now. Um, if that's not the case, which let's all be real with ourselves, Coyotes fans, it's a, it's a shoestring, a shoestring dream right there. Okay. Uh, in reality, he probably isn't going to be in Arizona. I still stand by my bet. So <laughs> I'm waiting for that Jersey. If not, I, I will, I'll concede and buy you a Jersey, but I only want him in Arizona for the reactions in Toronto. Yeah. Like, 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 like I said, that's, that's the only reason. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so that would be the reason why so many Coyotes fans are very fearful because they don't want to see that happen. And speaking of Toronto, that was another team who struggled with cap space because of contracts that they took on, like John Tavares. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where a lot of people are finding a lot of fear. Uh, the interesting thing is that uh, Dylan Gunther, what you can also do too, uh, I was listening to uh, PHNX the other day, um, and they were talking about this, and I forgot about this. If you don't play over 30 games, you don't actually burn a year off the ELC. Um, so you it'll it'll uh, it, I think it's called a slide or something like that. So that's the way that works, and you can you can slide it. I think three years or two years, and if you slide it multiple times, then um, the player after like a certain amount of slides will become a uh, I think it's like an Article Six or Section Six UFA. That's what happened to uh, to Bunting actually. I believe is that he played enough games consistently over you know that nine games, but not enough to um, you know play a full season. That uh, after like. I I don't remember the exact ruling on it, but after like a certain amount of times of you doing that, the contract becomes like a UFA contract um, because you're not playing them fully. That's something under the NHLPA uh, that they added in. But that is another option, and you can end up you know sending a person back even after they've successfully gone through nine games. Um, so that that could be an option. I think that, just to be frank, I think we shouldn't even be considering that. It's not like he's a fringe, oh, he might be, might not be, we want to give him more time. It's, at least in my eyes, as, as long as he keeps working on the holes in his game he does need to fix, mm-hmm. he is an NHLer. So I don't even want to entertain the, oh, we can still kind of maneuver around the cap, we can still do this, we can still keep the ELC. It's like, if he's ready, let him play. Yeah, I, I... think he looks ready. I think the team thinks he looks ready. I think... Bill, uh, Bill Armstrong, even though he's a very, very conservative individual when it comes to prospect development, management, contract, stuff like that, even he seems to think that this kid's ready to play. So I'm like, even while that is technically a possibility, I don't even want to entertain that. I'm like, I, I think he's ready right now. And then if you look at Logan Cooley down the line, 
wouldn't you also want to stagger out contracts just a little bit? So that way it's like, hey, you don't have every contract ending at the exact same time. So even if it's only a one-year buffer, just theoretically, yeah, I, I feel like that probably helps you out more long-term. I would say so. I think it's important to kind of stagger a little bit so that way the hit's not as bad. Um, and then worst case, like if you're doing really well, you can always sacrifice cap draft capital to take bad contracts out. So just for instance, if we want to talk about a bad contract that was signed, wasn't just John Tavares in Maple Leafs land. It was also Patrick Marlowe. I think it was like $8 million and they couldn't afford to sign. I think it was Nylander. So they moved uh, Marlowe out to uh, Carolina for a first and sacrificed their first round pick for moving that, that contract out. Um, you know, these are just things that you can do if you, if you got to do it. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of options, and I I do think that staggering's perfectly fine. I I do think that like, yeah, it sucks. Like you want that symmetrical like ah, oh, they all come up at the same time, perfect. You know, I, I I can understand how some people feel that that would be valuable, but at the same time, like making the kid play with Matthias Michelli and Barrett Hayden and getting like experience with all these young kids that he's probably going to be playing with for quite a few years is also really important you know as long as he's ready you know and he's looked by all means ready if he if he's ready air quotes and he's like a fourth a fourth line grinder role like i would say absolutely not like don't put him in that situation he's gonna lose his confidence in his shot like christian fisher did um yeah, so you, you, you can't do that. But so far, it looks like he's he's been deployed in more of a, um active role on the team for scoring. Yeah, definitely playing top six. And was it, wasn't he playing with Keller last night? I know they, they shuffled the lines up a little bit, but for the yeah. most part, he's been uh, mostly with Michelli. But I think it was Kells, uh, Hayton, and, and Gunner last night. I'm well, like, I think Hayton needed that, honestly, because Gunner's a sniper. Mm-hmm. Keller is a very good it, anywhere, honestly, because he also has a good shot, but he's still really, really good with the the setup and the the passing. Yeah, so like, I think Barrett Hayton heavily benefits from that. And like as much as I like Boyd, and Boyd has chemistry with Keller. If you think Hayton is part of the future, like if you see him as being that, I I, I don't see the issue with breaking Keller and, and Boyd up when it probably is going to benefit someone who's going to be here longer. Well, what's what's crazy is that. Uh... The past, like, f- three or four games, um, uh, Coach Bear, he's been running 7-D and uh, missing one of those forwards. So he has been playing the shuffle game like crazy, which is which is cool to see. Like, it means that, you know, you, you get more chances of, like, you're just watching the ebb and flow of the game, and you're like, okay, this guy looks like he's doing, like, he wants to score. Like, I'm going to put him up on the second line instead of the fourth line or, you know, whatever. Um the only downside to that, though, that you got to be careful about is, um, obviously, when you get your tap on the shoulder, like you, you know, you're ready to go. But sometimes you make the mistake of like, if bears like, oh, um, line three, and you were just on line three, you think you're going, and then you jump over the boards and take a too many men call when you didn't get the tap on the shoulder. 
I I found that to be I, I thought they had one extra forward, but apparently they didn't after Cassian. I don't understand why they didn't call up Dauphin earlier. I'm assuming it had to do with them playing games in Calgary. So like, hey, let's let Tucson keep the momentum a little bit longer. So I, I guess that makes sense because uh, I think he scored his fifth goal the other night uh, against the Wranglers. But I, I was just confused why, especially for the last game at, at Mullet before this long away you know trip, why they were running seven D. I don't understand that. Like, yeah, there is a bit of a benefit there, but even then, you could also line shuffle naturally with four lines and you have one extra forward. And it wasn't like they were having Dyson Mayo out there playing forward. They just kept essentially shuffling around defensive pairings, too, from what I noticed. So you yeah. also kind of run the risk of burning out players. And it's like, I get it, they're yeah. NHL-caliber players, but at the same time, I feel like that's a decent experiment for a couple of games if you need to. I, I don't really want to see too much more of that. I, I would prefer that that wasn't the case after this. Though I I agree. I, I'm not really a fan of the 7D pickup. Um, some people like it just because it's supposed to technically be less wear on your D-man. You don't have guys playing 30 minutes a night. Um, but when you look at the ice time, like, ultimately, I think <laughs> J.J. Moser was still leading in ice time for, like, with, like, 20 minutes or whatever, even with that 7-D split, so. That's because he's I the number know. one defenseman on an entry-level contract. Yep. He's, he's literally a number one D. Like, I, I, as much as, again, while he's still on the team, we still like Chikrin, uh, I, I just think Moser, right now, and especially over the last, like, two years, yep. has just been better than, than Chikrin. And it's it's nothing against him. It's just J.J. Moser is, is a beast. <laughs> he's just straight up, he's a beast. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up ice time real quick here. I want to see if I can find it. Um... Just to make sure. But. Yeah. I. Yeah. <laughs> so. Washington Capitals game. So this was Saturday night. Yesterday. J.J. Uh, Moser. 22 minutes. With 7D. Mm -hmm. Dice Mayo was the 7th defenseman. Played only 6 minutes. So who is he mostly swapping out for? Nemeth? Um... Nemeth is technically bent on the, the team, like on the the top six or not top six, but the, the just the six. Um, oh, I know. Like, who is Mayo probably mostly swapping out for? Oh, they left hand defenseman. Yeah, I mean they they move them all around. Valimaki's been playing off wing with with JJ um, quite a bit, and it's been looking pretty good, which is interesting because usually a lot of a lot of um, coaches won't do that. They want the left-hand, right-hand setup. But Valimaki's been playing offhand and uh, looking pretty good. Not bad. Do um, you think they're already going to work on a contract extension? Or do you think they're going to wait until closer to the trade deadline to see maybe if there's mutual interest in an extension? Um, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I think they're just going to ride the, the fun for right now until uh, they see what what he wants. Um. That would be my guess. I would I would be open to an extension with him. I don't I, know uh, what the contract would look like as of right now because he has injury issues in the past and also uh, just he couldn't really crack like, like Calgary's main defensive core for uh, whatever reason. I think Audie was saying because it was just really deep in Calgary. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, sure, that's fine. 
But he's come here and he's looked really good. He's a top four defenseman. I don't know if he's going to be consistently a, a top pairing his entire time here, but he's definitely a top four from how he's looked. He's provided some pretty decent puck moving and, and a little bit of depth scoring on him. So it's like you, you have a little bit there that I didn't expect any of the offensive upside that we're getting. While it is you know minor, it's still good to have. Yeah. I don't even know what a contract would look like. Would it be like a, a three-year thing? Would it be a one-year prove it for another year and then you get a longer-term deal? Or would they be like, you know what? With your age, you're right around where our core would be. Here's a five-year contract and we'll deal with it. Like right around like in five years, realistically speaking, they should be making the playoffs for like the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. If not, at least the first time. So it's like, we'll know what we need. So it's well, probably best to have your flexibility right around there. Well, I would say perfect example is <laughs> look at all the contracts that we want to be talking about, right? <laughs> this is this is the time where you'd be looking at that and projecting it out. So obviously this year is going to be under his uh, $1.5 million. So next year, if let's say he's signing another extension... And you're also signing Adam Fantilli and Logan Cooley to their three-year uh, contracts. Maybe you give him a three-year as well, and then after those three years, then he's ready to go. You know, if if he's looking like, all right, he's not going to be a part of this team after the third year, um, then you can trade him, let him go, whatever needs to be done. That way, you have more cap space for those those. Uh, Guys that are become they're going to be getting off their ELCs, or you really like him and you're like, all right, you know what, <laughs> we like what you're doing. Let's keep it going. Uh, the only dad, the the only bound, the the only bad part about that is that uh, after his third year, he would be a UFA. So just something to keep in mind. But That's I think I'll like, take I that second. The idea of potentially it being five years, where it's like. Right around, like the the mindset being right around there is when you should know what you need moving forward. So, like, let's just say you so was like, yeah, I want to be in one place for a while. So it's like, let's say he wanted three or five years. Let's use five years as, as an example. Wouldn't that make some degree of sense, depending on the cap hit, obviously, uh, to be a to be like, hey, so right around then we would know, like, if we had other defensemen coming up, if we needed to move a defenseman for another forward, like if we needed to move something around to you know get what we need. I kind of feel like that would be the max. I don't feel like anything longer than five years would make any sense, but I feel like that would make some sense if if it was a mutually beneficial thing because that's right when you would know, hey, we're two pieces away. Hey, our defense just needs to be tweaked a little bit. Hey, we need an extra scorer. We can use a third-line center, like something like that. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, if if you were to do that, I'd rather just kick the can down the road and do one more year of RFA just to make sure that you know what you're getting because you know as as much as I've liked Valimaki it's also only been 11 games like <laughs> we haven't seen the mistakes we haven't seen the 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 problems right that are necessarily in his game um we haven't seen what it's going to be like if he does end up on that first line with JJ Moser uh by the end of the year when all the guys are traded so I would say it may be better to do a, a show me contract and just kick it down the road, kick the can down the road and, uh, you know, see how it looks. And then after that, maybe give them the, the, a big contract. It's like a, a one year, two million. Like, obviously, you give him a raise because he's looked pretty good. And I think yeah. the defense overall, ever since he joined the team when that Canadian half of the road trip to start the year, 
think the defense has just looked better. Not perfect, obviously. That Dallas well, game comes to mind immediately. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to look better when you take JJ or sorry, not JJ, when you take uh, Dyson Mayo out. Like, unfortunately, What's he to his game. Like, he, he looked really good last year. <clears throat> I mean, he looked really good last year, eye test wise. But when you look at the advanced stats, he was not very good last year. Um, the only reason they like him and they keep him around is they think they they really like his his locker room. Um, like how he is as a person. Um, I think that's why ultimately he's still around. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up back down in the AHL sometime soon here. He's just looks not ready, unfortunately, which is sad because I like the guy. I think he's, I I do like his play style. He reminds me a lot of Hammer. Um, Mm -hmm. Just he hasn't been nearly good enough to be even remotely considered a hammer type guy yet. It was weird because I think when he was drafted, he was supposed to be a two way, and then he pre- like I know in Tucson he put up some decent numbers, but it's like when he hit the NHL, it was mostly focusing on on defense, and I feel like he's also a little more of like I I don't know if I'm just remembering some plays in isolation, but he has a little bit of a grinder type type defenseman in him, but it's like who do you call up? Because Cam Denis is playing so well in Tucson. I want him to stay in Tucson. I feel like he is kind of a cornerstone of the Roadrunners, and when I've seen him in the NHL, he just kind of looks okay. It's where it's like, I think he'll just work better. Like, some players are just better in the AHL. So who do you call up? Maybe do you give Soderstrom another go? I know he's looked well, a little better this year, which is well, good, but, you know. Well, right now, we're already running 7D, man, even minus Connor Timmons. So we've got Ghost Despair. And then obviously Chikrin might even come back too. So we've got Ghost of Spare, Nemeth, mm-hmm. Valamaki, Brown, Stetcher, Mayo, Moser, right? That's seven. So if you send Mayo back, you're back down to six. And you're just waiting on Timids and um, Chikrin to become healthy, right? So if that, if they're a few weeks away, like you might just run Mo. Mayo for that seventh defenseman position for a few more weeks, and then when Chicken comes back or whatever, then you you move. Honestly, probably Nemeth probably back to seventh defenseman. Well, yeah, because it, it, as much as like I think Nemeth has played okay, like, I know a lot. I know it's because when you're playing on a playoff team, if you're not very good, especially in a big market like New York, you get trashed on. Like it, I get it. It makes sense, but yeah. I think he looked he's looked okay in in Arizona. But him, as much as I do like Brown, and I still think Brown's a pretty decent defenseman, uh, those are both easily replaceable when you need to bring Chikrin and Timmins back into the lineup. Yep. So you'd be carrying eight defensemen. So I guess when you put it like that, I just don't know when Timmins is coming back. And I know Chikrin had the set the setback, and usually week to week means about a month. So maybe we're still a couple weeks out from Timmins. So what, middle of this month we should be expecting... Probably Mayo will stick on on the roster, but being the extra defenseman, and then Nemeth probably gets kicked out for Timmins, and then probably after another week, one one of those two probably Mayo gets sent down, just depending on where Chikrin's at. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Just tired, boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yawning up a storm. I, mean, I would yeah, say at least that makes sense. Like, I would be kind of having that second. Uh, Second person to break it down for me makes more sense because I, with how 
the chicken situation is and how he's hurt. Same thing with how Timmons, his entire stint here has been injured, except mm-hmm. for I think a total of I think twelve games or, or thirteen games, something like that. It's kind of like I I almost just don't consider him on the team. So I'm just looking at the defense like with those names scratched off, you know. Don't be uh, surprised. I'm gonna put put this out into the universe when mm-hmm. uh, Chickering comes back. Don't be surprised if that that uh, third guy out is gonna be uh, Troy Setcher. I don't think he's looked very good. He's okay. I I don't I don't know. Okay. Like I I I feel like he's been making a lot of defensive mistakes in front of the net. Um, and honestly, I think Josh Brown has been better. I know that they're left hand, right hand, so it's like not as comparable. Um, but when we're talking about a defenseman that's like close to becoming a seventh defenseman, uh, that battle for like staying in the sixth six defenseman spot, I honestly think that Josh Brown has played better than Troy Stetcher has. I also like his play style, how it's more so kind of stay at home. It's more so like he does use his size to his advantage. Mm-hmm. And other than a couple of a bad turnovers, especially that I think his first uh, shift in that first game against Pittsburgh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm on the live stream. I was like, oh well, there you go. First time I see Brown, <laughs> Brown he turns it over. Yeah, but it's I think other than that, he's just been solid. And I know on most other teams, he would just be the seventh defenseman because he's just a, a decent defensive defenseman. And if if a guy is playing the exact same level but adds a couple extra assists per game or or per ten games or just looks a little better. Brown's yep. the one that's going to be kicked out. So it's like, I, I think he has played better than Stetcher. I think Stetcher's played okay. Uh, I think mostly still a little better offensively, I guess, than defensively, but that's probably not saying much because he only has a couple of assists. Yeah. I. But even then, I, I feel like you're probably on the money for Nemeth and Stetcher to be kicked out when, when uh, Chikrin and Timmons come back. The only problem is how do you shuffle around the defensive pairings because then... JJ has to be, in my mind, on the top pairing. Yeah. And I just, he's that good. And he said, well, it's been JJ and, and Valimaki usually, or was it Ghost and Valimaki? So uh, it's it's moved around, but I've seen JJ and Valimaki a few times, and I've mm-hmm. liked what I've seen um, so far of that pairing. I think that it's looked pretty good, and I, once again, would not be surprised to see that be our first line by the end of the year. So let's just keep them as the first. Actually, no, because Chickren has to go to the first pair because they want him. Essentially, it's not even just, oh, because Chickren's better. Because, I mean, he probably is still right now, even though I think J.J. Moser's been playing better. But it's still like, hey, you want his trade value to go back up. So you want him to you want to scout him against the best competition. Well, so he probably goes right to the, the top pairing, if not minimum second pairing. Well, you, you wouldn't put him there first. You'd probably start him on the third because he hasn't played hockey in so long. You need him to get his feet back before you, you throw him against a Sidney Crosby or an Alex Ovechkin. Like you, you put him up against lesser opponents to, to get him comfortable. And then maybe after like five games, then you can move him up. Um, that'd be my personal opinion. I get the logic. I just don't, I just don't know if that's the route they're going to go. Cause a lot of the times when you, your number one center gets hurt, he's out for a while. When he comes back, they normally have him at least playing second line center when he comes back minimum. It's usually like, hey, you're pretty much going right back in the role that you left, if not a little bit lower until you get your feet wet again. So it's, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if he's when he comes back, he's probably going to go right at least to the second line. 
but you also still want to showcase as much as possible because they probably don't want to drag this trade situation out much longer. Yeah, I, I'd probably say that that's true with not wanting to drag it out longer. I just, I, I don't think you you put him in that situation. Like, he hasn't played hockey in a long time. I, I get that you want to bump up the trade value, but it, it's one of those things where you might not be bumping up the trade value if he's put up against, uh, you know, Connor McDavid and gets blown out. You know, everybody goes, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this guy can't play hockey anymore. We're not trading for him. You know, like, you got to be careful. You, you got to pick your battles wisely there. As for a guy who he could probably play with, I'm not too sure. I thought that, you know, Timmins was going to be his partner um, coming into this season, but obviously the two have collectively not been uh, playing hockey, so <laughs> that doesn't help. Um Probably gonna play with Brown if I were to guess. Start up, start out with Brown. That would make sense because normally, like, cause even though Chikrin is good defensively, he's also still considered more of an offensive or two-way defenseman. So you always want to pair one of them up with a defensive defenseman. Yeah. So that way, like, same thing with was it Yans playing with McCulloch? I know McCulloch had to play with a handful of, of offensive defenseman i know demo and, and jobo also played together a lot but it's one of them can pinch in going for the offense and then one immediately starts skating back and yeah. then hey if, if the pinch is successful it i can just get back into the play it's fine if the pinch isn't successful you at least have one defenseman back already in transition waiting for the two-on-one or whatever comes up yeah yeah that's usually what you like to do is you have the guy that you that defenseman that's not very good at making the the up ice pass, you know, you have him on one side that he's probably like a little bit more defensively responsible, and then the guy who can make that good first pass you have on the other side, and uh, whenever the other defenseman has it, you just feed the guy that can make the pass. <laughs> that's the secret. <laughs> that was my job. <laughs> that was your job. Can't 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 make a. <laughs> Can't make a upwards pass, so feed the defenseman that can. <laughs> so I mean, so I guess then it would, it would be Moser, Valimaki, Ghost. Let's just pretend Timmins is also coming up at the exact. Let's just say that they both come back at the exact same time. So would it be Ghost Timmins, Chickering Brown, or would it be Ghost Brown, Chickering Timmins in the third pair? Um, if they'll come back. <laughs> Sorry. Say that again. So, Ghost... So, let's just say that, that Timmons and, and Chikrin both come back at the same yeah, time. So, your yep. second pairing is Brown and Ghost, and then you have Chikrin and Timmons on your third pair. And then Val Mackey and JJ on the first? Yeah. Yeah, they're 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 your first pair right now. As much as I like Ghost, he also gets all of his minutes on power play, so it's fine if he plays second, <laughs> if he plays yeah, second pair. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, that sounds about right to me. That that's probably what I'd do, and then whenever yeah. Ghost gets traded, you just throw Nemeth or Setcher back in. Mm-hmm. And because they already have an abundance of left hand shot, they could probably. It also it just depends on if Valimaki is okay with going back to the left side. Because if he keeps playing well on the right, and Moser is playing good on the left, it's like maybe you just don't mess with that. And then it, it pretty much the second and third pairing. That's your fluid situation. And then hopefully. By trade deadline, and again, this is nothing against Ghost. I love Ghost. Hopefully Ghost and Chicken are traded. 
and then maybe we get another prospect come back. Maybe you give Soderstrom another go at the end of the season, just depending on how things go. Yeah, the defense is going to look really different, but that's also why you bring in Stetcher and Brown and and uh, Nemeth because you want to still have some veteran there that hey they can come in they can play let's say Soderstrom's not ready well nothing to worry about Stetcher can finish the season oh hey this this guy that we got in this trade probably isn't isn't gonna play right now okay well we have Nemeth Nemeth will play that that third line role yeah yeah and we got Nemeth for another year so it's not like he's gonna be gone after this year so you just kind of insert him whenever you need to um let's be real he's not gonna be traded this year there's no no way in hell um Next year he might, so maybe you give him a better look next year. Uh, mm-hmm. Ultimately, yeah, you, with with an extra year in that contract, this year is just kind of a a, a fluff year for him. I do want to say just hey, we need you to be a veteran presence. Hey, you're going to get a little more responsibility than New York. Just kind of ho- essentially hold down the fort a little bit, and it's like again, he's looked okay. So as long as you just keep building on whatever you're looking at now, you'll be on a contender next year. <laughs> yeah, we'll get like a seventh round pick or a sixth round pick or something like that. Yep. I, I do want to say, though, real quick, that uh, if you've made it this far into the podcast, uh, if you could give us a like, a follow, a subscription on whatever platform you're listening to us on, uh, I'd really appreciate it because it, you know, helps us grow and helps uh, helps the algorithm and the numbers and the, all the, the fun stuff. So if you could do that first, that would be Real great, as we talk about who's going to be the sixth or seventh defenseman on the worst team in the NHL, the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, anyways, so say, back to three the points out of the playoffs. You shut yeah. your mouth. <laughs> yeah. So so, anyways, let's talk a little bit about some of the games that went on this week. How about that? I don't want to talk about the Dallas game. Look, I'll just tell you right now. I'm looking at everything right now. It, it was 4 nothing after the first period, uh, 5 nothing after the second. Jamie Benn scores 27 seconds into the third. It's 6 to nothing before Val Mackey, his first goal as a Coyote, at 5-7 from Michelli and Bukestead, and then Michelli, his second assist of the night, on a Kraus goal, his fifth at about 9.06 of the third. So it was a decent little effort towards the very end. I know Ingram got blown up. Uh, Vamelka, I love that man, turned into Mike Smith at the right time to try to secure Adam Fintilli. That yep. was a beautiful pass. He should have got credit for, for an assist on that one. But He definitely should have uh, got a I, primary. I kid, I joke. <laughs> but um, honestly, it's I, I know, I, I think, was, was it me and you having a conversation about uh, empty net goals and how they shouldn't count? I might have been on another podcast that these conversations all blur together. I, I don't think that was me. But it's, when it comes to, it might have been Nick Pinkerton, actually, Twisted Rister. But uh, because those empty net goals, I think they're pretty important, too, for getting the guy's confidence up. I think I mentioned Kraus specifically. Mm-hmm. After those first two goals that were empty netters that I joked, oh, he's going to score 20 this year just off empty netters, he's had, what, three goals in the last, is it six or, or seven games? Like, he's, yeah, something he's like turning that. it up pretty well. He had, a, I think, a three-game stretch where he scored two. Not, and it's, not just garbage goals, good. either. Like, actual, like, beating a goalie, you know, good, clean goals. Because sometimes you just need to get the monkey out. Like, we're going to talk about Barrett Hayton in a second, but same thing with goal scorers. If you're, uh, you just signed that new contract, you know, he's trying to, okay, where's my where's my role on this team? How am I going to still produce? How am I still going to keep, you know, uh, essentially filling that offensive role with the minutes I'm given, the, the, the role I'm given, you know, you get frustrated. 
Yeah. Hey, I haven't scored three, four games in, and I know in the middle of the season, I, I know it's a line taken from NHL 21. You can clown me in the comments. It's like, you know, at the be- at middle of the season, no one cares. But at the beginning of the season, you're not scoring. People tend to look at you a little more like, hey, what's going on? Especially just after signing that contract, that probably frustrates you. Mm-hmm. So you score a couple goals, empty net, builds your confidence up a bit. Hey, I'm still producing something. And then you start putting them in. And he's still on pace for, what is it? It's it's around 20 goals right now, like 20. 17, I, I have no clue. 23 yeah. is his pace. It's somewhere in there, which is still good for that contract. I think if he keeps up at least a, a 15 to 20 goal pace, I prefer 20 goals, but it'll be fine. Love Krauser. So it's uh, it's good to see that. It's good to see Michelli getting the points. Uh, I don't know if you saw, uh, there was a little graphic on Twitter of the rookies right now. It's like the little Calder race. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. There's obviously, <laughs> you know, leading. Yep. Uh, Gunners around the middle with six points, two goals, four assists playing well. Michelli has seven and I think he's third. Yeah, he's he's, third he's tied with goal. He's tied with <laughs> he's tied with Pinto. Um <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. So Baneers had like eight points, Pinto has seven, Michelli has seven, and then Gunners in the middle of the pack with six. I know. Crazy. All it takes is Gunner to have a two point night and all of a sudden you're tied for the lead. So pretty crazy to see that these Coyotes rookies are putting points up and probably aren't even going to get even remotely considered for the uh, the rookie of the year. I think Gunner will because Gunner has a high enough profile. Like, yeah, Michelli, I love Michelli. Uh, Michelli is a guy that uh, no one knows who he is. No one's going to know who he is. There's, I saw one article that uh, Kyle Pereira linked me to on Twitter where someone was saying, you know, pointing out the good things that Michelli's doing and trying to yeah. spotlight him. He wasn't a Coyotes guy. He was a, a reporter. Yeah. I was like, cool, more of that. He's he's going to be, what is it? What is the, pro, like the, not just an underrated guy, but one of those guys that the fan base knows him and loves him. Yeah, uh, a, a dedicated group of NHL fans know him and love him and appreciate his skill level, but he's never going to get that consideration unless he has like ten more points than than the guy in second place. Yeah, but Gunner has a high enough profile where even if he makes it close, he'll get a couple votes. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean he's going to win. He 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 does need to turn a second gear if he's going to win Calder. But I don't care about the second gear this year. I care about keep developing your game keep producing and show that you're part of the core. And so far he's doing that. That's all I care about with Dylan Gunther this year, but it is fun to be in the Calder conversation. It is fun to have two Coyotes players that are top 10 and both of them are top five in in production for rookies. It's, it's good to have that. And it's, it's one of those things that I said before, I'll say it again and again. It's one of the things I was kind of looking for last season with young rosters. They can boom or bust. They can just take off. Sometimes I take longer for players to develop, but when they do, they can just go. Took Michelli a couple years, primarily because they, they tried to hold him back a little bit, mm-hmm. which was probably for the best. As much as I hate to say it, it was probably for the best, hold him back just a little bit. But Gunther, it's like, it's essentially, hey, this is my roster spot now. Mich- uh, J.J. Moser, that's my roster spot. He's a top four defenseman as a rookie. Yep. Uh, Michelli, you know, kept working, kept grinding, and essentially with his play, looked at the coach and said, you're not sending me to the A. Like, yep. you can't. You know you can't. Yep. And that's that's what you love to see, and that's the things that we should be excited for. Because while it's fun right now, I'm going to keep memeing that we're, we're a playoff team because we're three points out, that we keep getting those uh, those wins just frequently enough to be mediocre right now. 
it's like we're not a playoff team. But I'm, I'm keep the meme alive. But realistically, that's what you're looking for. Because let's say we get number six overall. Let's just say we don't end up getting top five. That would suck. But let's just say you still have all these other pieces that are looking good. And that's what you can still build around. That's what you can still build forward with. So it's like, don't just focus on number one. Also focus on how your how your prospects are looking and how these young players are playing. Because Cooley is looking good in the NCAA. Obviously, Gunner Michelli at, at the NHL level, and uh, there's a couple players playing pretty decent hockey in Tucson. So yeah, and you're gonna rise out for all of it. And you're gonna end up winning more games when you don't have a a third or fourth line that is uh, Jay Beagle. And <laughs> who else was was in that trade? Uh, Anton Roussel was third Roussel, or fourth line. Yeah, Roussel was and everywhere in the lineup, pretty much except for except for first line, who was like depending on what they needed, but it was normally bottom six. Yeah, yeah. I, I, anybody that you put in on the in that roster spot is going to score more points than those those three. So, uh, Eric Car- or Louis Louis Erickson. I don't know why I was trying to say Eric Carlson. Don't, don't you I dare wish. trash talk King. Don't you dare trash talk the King. Oh, I will trash talk the King. I'll fight you. The, the I, King, I went, the I king had Halloween as King Louis. The, the I king a crowd right over there. The king had like four points last year. All right, so you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a uh, not not really needing that on my team for four hundred. I, I would have signed him back. I wanted him back on the fourth. I mean, think about it like this: if they, they would have signed Louis Erickson to one more year, we wouldn't have to run seven defensemen for the last four games. We would have been able to just have him plug in the lineup and then call up Lauren Dauphin anyway and say, okay, thanks for playing three games, Louis Lawrenson. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> I liked him, <laughs> and I even thought about, you know, I, I toyed with the idea of re-signing him, but after seeing this team uh, and the way it's constructed, I would say absolutely not. He would have been just an anchor on that fourth line. Um, uh, I he, do. He pretty much would have just been Zach Cassian without the physicality, essentially. I mean, I feel like Zach Cassian has still more f- offensive upside than than Louis does. Like, Come on, this is not turning into a Louis Rose sesh. I can't uh, do it. I well, you you it. brought us here, all right. So I don't want to hear anything. Fault. You were talking you, about the the but no, Okay, back to the Coyotes. Yeah. With, with, the, with the way this team's constructed, and I know we had that that clown Toronto reporter talking about how terrible his roster is, but it's it's constructed well, and the the mission statement's been the same. Obviously, last year you had more veteran presence. This year it's a little more youthful, but the the mission statement is still the exact same. They're going to compete. You're going to get more competitive games. Like you were saying, there are more games that are close. We've also had a few more blowouts, unfortunately. It happens. But we're getting more games that are close. We're getting, at most, the first couple games we lost were one-goal games. Yep. One, we pushed all the way to overtime. And while that was a collapsed lead, it's still showing that this team is still going to compete better. You're going to be able to... You know, I remember how many times last year did, did I tell you, yeah, I was listening for the first period and didn't bother for the rest of the game when they were on the road because I'm like, the game's over. They gave up like yep. three goals in the first period. Like, and All the time. It, it sucks, but it is what it is. And it's like, hey, if I had content to make or, or whatever else to do, it's like, hey, I still listen for the first period and I'll still catch up on the notes. But this year, you know, even when I'm busy, I'm still like, I have a reason to tune in. Like, la- like last night, they're down, you know, what, two to nothing? O- OV got that record-breaking goal absolutely happy for him love Ovechkin I really wish uh, he was on the Coyotes at any point in his career would never happen unfortunately uh but I'm still while busy checking in on the game hey I'm gonna listen to some of the first period before I was on this uh little 
little frozen yogurt date with my wife. Hey, I'm going to you know check in what's going on, watch some highlights. Hey, I'm going to look at some live tweets and play-by-play, essentially, see what's going on. Like, there's a reason to check out the games now, even yep. when they lose. Even last night when I'm like, hey, they're probably going to lose. It is, like, it's still more entertaining. And that's where you start. Because while this year isn't playoffs, next year next year's when you push to be around the wild card. Doesn't mean you make it. But that's when you start, hey, we're pushing, we're getting better. We, this is what our core is going to look like. So it's I, – I almost feel like they're a little ahead of schedule. Which pro which this might not be the draft to do that. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. This might not be the draft to be a little ahead of schedule. But as a fan, it's so fun. Like it, it is so much more entertaining when, when you get to watch a little more competitive hockey, even if it is, unfortunately, in, in that one regard, probably a little ahead of where we should be. <laughs> yeah, I well, that'll happen when you have a good coach, right? And we saw this last year. Like, coach doesn't just give up, right? So. He's going to keep working these guys and working them hard. And when you have slightly more talent than you did last year, you're going to end up with wins like we're seeing right now. I mean, we beat the Florida Panthers, which were the what the President Trophy final or the President Trophy winners last year. Like which, I get that they Panthers lost fans, you're going to thank us for that because when you're not President's Trophy winners this year, you're going to win more than one playoff round. Probably. I still think that's, <laughs> that's a pretty good I think that that team is still a pretty good team, even if they've been struggling. Um, they'll add a piece; they'll be fine. Like they'll they'll get it together. But it's also it's always better to avoid President's Trophy because they don't win cups. I think it's only happened a couple of times, if that. So it's Panthers fans, you will you will be happy with this loss in the long run because when you're like second, third, fourth in the East, and you actually and you make it to the conference finals, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, it's probably better to not have the amount of expectations or this thing that we're seeing a little too consistently, even with Tampa Bay when they won the President's Trophy, is you're peaking too early. Even the Suns for basketball for just three seconds, the Suns when they were number one all year last year, they peaked too early and then they got bounced in the second round. So it's like you're probably going to be okay with not finishing first overall and not, you know, winning the President's Trophy this year. Yeah, there's something to that, too. Like, I, I, I remember looking at the numbers when you look at, like, the history of the President Trophy winners and then if they won the Cup. And if you do, like, the math, um, it's, like, 12% of those teams won the Cup. And when you look at, like, the basic numbers, it's, like, in the playoffs, you have, like, a 16% chance of winning the Cup, right, because of how many teams there are. Um, if, I don't remember the math exactly on it, so I'm sure somebody's going to go, it's actually this amount. It, it was something like that. It was below the what you what you would the normal number would be, right? So, like, if you have eight teams in the playoffs, it's like a 16% chance if you're one team. And then it, the, because they were a president trophy, like, they were slightly below that, that 16% or whatever it is. I, I, I know I'm just using the numbers so that you get the idea. Um and what like that's really strange because you'd think like it would be at least at it or slightly above it because you're the best team in the league and uh for some reason there there is something to that like if it's like you're saying they peak a little too early or um, maybe the overconfidence gets you or, or whatever but um yeah you end up getting well, bounced by uh you end up getting bounced by the Columbus Blue Jackets in four games. <laughs> Think about it like this. If 
if you as look as a fan, as someone who who loves playing the NHL games and scoring twelve goals a night because you love seeing big numbers, you like seeing records, you want to see, hey, I have four forty goal scorers on my team, right? Like you love to see that as a fan. But when you have these guys that are are busting it that hard throughout the regular season, and the, and the regular season is a grind. It's not an easy thing. It, it, I I probably couldn't even compete in. in one NHL game, let alone 82 in a six-month span or five-month span, whatever the season is. But if you're if you're all the gas is out of the tank right around the end of the season because you oh I wanted to hit this record, I wanted to you know 60 wins or something like that. What do you have left in the playoffs where everyone else is pacing themselves out? Everyone else is yeah we want to win, but we lost a couple extra games. We're not going to sweat it. We're just going to you know go move on to the next game. They're going to have more in the tank. So that if you're tired and you're also, like, every, everyone's game planning for you, too. Everyone has all this footage of just how good you are. What are mm-hmm. the weaknesses? How do you shut them down? Oh, hey, Chris Paul, if you take away, you know, Devin Booker as a shooting option and, you know, he's tired later on in games, how many of those three-pointers is he going to hit? How many times is he going to force a bad pass? Like, that's yeah. what you're doing. You're game planning for the best. And I know I slipped back into basketball for a second. I apologize. Right back to hockey. But it... Like, that's it's probably a, a few factors, primarily those. Just you peak too early, so you're kind of running out of gas, and everyone else is pacing themselves. Like yeah. you're sprinting, and they're marathoning. Yep. Because you can see the immediate records, the immediate goal of oh hey number one, you know, forty goal scorers, most wins the franchise. Like you're seeing those, and you're so preoccupied that the championship almost becomes an afterthought. Yeah. And then you get in there and. Another team's hungrier, so it's like if you literally have a higher likelihood of winning the cup, if the Coyotes make it to the second, you know, wild card this year, let's just say, the fact that they would have a higher likelihood of winning the cup than the Panthers had last year should tell you something. Regardless, yep. there's a, a saying. Um, I, I think it's in the military or something like that. It's uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You know, that's kind of the truth with with the playoffs. Is like. You, you can't just blow all of your energy at once. Like, you, you got to conserve it because if you if you do it, you're going to end up being a lot slower than where you were previously when you were rushing as quick, you know, as hard and as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to talk about Nick Ritchie? Yeah, I do, actually, because now, now that we've, we've kind of gotten a little more of that conversation out, out of the way there are currently uh two different coyotes that are on pace for uh well cross having five goals we can kind of calculate it out a little bit they're both mm-hmm. on pace for around 30 ish which is yep. ridiculous if if not what you said richie was on pace for almost 40 he's on pace for 40 for unironically he's on pace for 45 goals uh, when you do the <laughs> so, math so Kraus is on pace for like 30 and, and Keller is on pace for right oh. around 20. He's taking oh. a step back goal scoring, but he's a little more, you know, pass than he is, which is good. Oh my God. What? I'm trying to pull up a calculator so that I can do the math. Um, <laughs> okay. So what was, uh, what was, um, Krause's, uh, game played and goals? Is it 11, 11 games played? 11 games played, five goals. Okay. So, we do 82 games divided by 11 games, which gets us... Uh, oops, I hit the plus button before I did that. Sorry. <laughs> You're bad at math, I know. That'll get us uh, 7.45, and then we multiply that 
by how many goals does he have? Five. Five goals. That gets us, uh, he's on pace for 37 goals. So he'll probably hit his 20, if not maybe a little higher. Let's be conservative with it. But Nick Ritchie, look, I, I know you were doing a little bit of trolling on Twitter, and I applaud you. Yeah. This isn't like a, this isn't a, a like, gotcha. Like, this is like, and I, I, I applaud you. Oh, you're... It's funny, the amount of, like, Toronto fans are like, oh, we're giving you garbage. Oh, he scored a couple goals for the Coyotes early. It doesn't matter how many goals he scores. We got Labushkin, who went to Buffalo, by the way. You don't even have that asset anymore. Yeah. And it's like... And Zingle, who isn't and, on there, <laughs> who wasn't even on that team. I, I, I like him. I would not be opposed to him being part of the core moving forward. He's not going to be here next year. I just that that's I think all logic points to that. Regardless, so mm-hmm. the fact that we we're probably going to move on from him and get anywhere from if he keeps this pace, exclusively if he keeps this pace, anywhere from a late first to like a second and a third. Like, we're going to get a decent return on him for essentially giving away a player that wasn't going to re-sign with us anyway. As if, much as we love Bush here, like, he wasn't going to re-sign. If, if Richie stays on a 45-goal pace, we will 100% get a first for him. Somebody in the play, going to the playoffs is going to pay for a 45-goal scorer that is, what, 230 pounds? Like, that is a <laughs> huge body that you absolutely would want in the playoffs if... um. If that's your style of team, let's say realistically where I think he's going to be, which is like a 30, 35 goal pace. I, like, I, I, I think that's more realistic for Richie. Mm-hmm. Um, even still at that, I would say you're pretty close to what I would guess is like a second and a third or a second in like a B tier prospect. Um, something like that. That'll, which is good for free because again, yeah. Lubushkin wasn't going to come back. Nope. Dezingle. I love Ryan Dezingle. I think he's a very good two-way forward. He just can't stay healthy, and mm-hmm. they weren't going to bring him back. I, I don't think he had much interest in coming back here either, or else there would have been conversations about him coming back in the offseason. Yeah. So it's like, that's just free real estate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's just free real estate. <laughs> well, what's funny, too, is like when you look at those those um, how those people were signed, so Labushkin was a free agent signing out of the KHL that the Coyotes got. <clears throat> Dezingle, free agent signing the, at that year prior. Uh, Nick Ritchie was a free agent signing, I believe, right, by by Toronto. Because uh, didn't Boston buy him out or they let him go to, to market? Yeah, they let him go to market, I'm pretty sure. And then, and then Toronto gave him a, a contract. So it, it's funny, when you look at these assets, like nobody really gave up anything prior but the biggest loser is once again Toronto. Like <laughs> they can't the the team that is so down bad that they can't even buy a W. Like <laughs> no, no, they they've won their last couple of games because of course when you hit November Toronto has to win. But real quick, do you think there's any interest in bringing Richie back? Like for let's say like a two or three year deal. Like do do you think there's interest there or just? The time, like, kind of like I'm thinking right now, the timeline probably doesn't work, so you move him at the deadline. Best so, for both the organization and the player. So he is the epiphany of kind of a Bill Armstrong-type player. Um, mm-hmm. Not exactly. I would say that he's a bit of a gentle giant, um, which doesn't help his cause because I think that that um, Bill Armstrong really wants somebody who can – not only beat you scoring wise, but can also beat you physically. Um, mm-hmm. 
so he's not exactly the mold that he's looking for, but at the same time, shape and size-wise, he, he is. So, I could see a situation where he comes back. I personally don't think you hold on to him past the trade deadline. I think you trade him, you say, hey, you did really good with us. If you like our organization, you want to come back and keep playing here long-term, we'll give you a, um, you know, a handshake deal right now that, if you hit the free agent market, we'll sign you for three more years or two more years or whatever it is. I wouldn't go past that. Once again, like we were talking about at the beginning of this episode about contracts, you don't want to have a contract like that past those three years. Those are the contracts that hurt you. Though yeah. you know, if he's like a, a four million, five million dollar, can deteriorate degrade. quickly. Yep. So it's like because I, I know you call him a gentle giant. I still notice that whole. He'll throw the shoulder a bit, so it's like he's not quite power forward, but he does. I think he does utilize the size decently, so it's like the Milan Lucic syndrome. I will always be weary in the back of my head when giving a guy a five-year contract when they're supposed to be like bigger and like meaner. Because I'm always like, yep. uh, when is that gonna stop? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and when he's been on the Coyotes, he's been on a really good goal pace. So ultimately, I I could see him making like probably close to $4 million a year. Like, Mm -hmm. he's on a 45 goal pace. If he even sniffs around that, if he's at, like, 37 goals this year, like, that is value that... (laughs) That is is good value. Somebody will pay him. (laughs) Yeah, so that's good value. Like, I could definitely see the Coyotes bringing him back for, like, four or five mil uh, if he's on a pace like that. So Even if, like, by the deadline... If if by the deadline he's at between twenty and twenty five goals, and mm-hmm. he and and he looked at or his agent looked at Bill Armstrong and said, uh, three years four million each, whether it's that handshake uh, the, the the handshake and Tom Vermette situation or it's just extending him and not trading him, mm-hmm. I'm saying yes to that, in a heartbeat because even at, at a twenty about twenty five thirty goal pace a year, for the next three years while we're still establishing the core that. I think that's more than worth the the four million. Yep. But if he's sniffing around, you know, twenty five to thirty goals around the deadline, which technically he's on pace for right around there, I I, I can excuse see the agent me. Being I like, did the we'll math. More. <laughs> twenty five goals? Are you joking me? That's half. <laughs> to the moon, anyway. diamond hands, buddy. Fifty six goals this season. Counted. Thank you. <laughs> But you know that agent's going to be like, we're going to get $6 million plus in the open market. Mm-hmm. Like, around the trade deadline, because you got a month left in the season, realistically, and if you're if you're around, like, 30 goals even then, it's like, yeah, no, you're, you're probably... Someone is going to pay you more, because you always have those teams that, even if the smartest offer would be 4 to $5 million, if he was on that pace, hey, it's a really good value contract, he gets paid, we get a good player... You're always gonna have someone that's like, yeah, but we have three million more in cap space. We want this player. Yeah, well, <laughs> so it doesn't we're help get this player. It doesn't <laughs> help that teams are gonna get potentially upwards of four million dollars of cap relief th- next year, if the uh, if the uh, um, cap ceiling goes up. Uh, and you know that all those teams are just gonna immediately blow it on the dumbest stuff possible. Like that's what they do. They didn't learn. What was it? Was it, was it 2016 that the last big jump happened and uh, the, that free agency class, like, one of one of the better contracts was Jason Demers? 
Yeah. Because it got cut in half and sent off to Arizona. Yep. <laughs> oh my yep, god! Yep. Like there's so much buyer's remorse. I, I think Urinating Tree made a video on it where it's like the the free agent class of 2016 was just buyer's remorse. The, the free agent class. Yeah, I think Ocposo got like a a metric butt ton as well too, if my memory serves mm-hmm. me, or something like that. Like yeah, it was. So it's somebody bad. will pay for Richie if he's on that pace. If he's around the deadline, anywhere near 30 goals, someone is going to offer him $6 million. I don't know how many years are attached to that. I don't know if he'll accept it because he wants more years versus the money. don't really know. But somebody mm-hmm. will be will be like, oh, hey, I, I, I can fix him or I, I can use him. <laughs> yep. And that would be, like, the biggest contract that he's signed in his career. So, mm-hmm. like, his total, I'm looking right now, his total earnings is... Uh, eight million, nine million dollars. So his total earnings is nine million dollars. And if he jumps from, you know, that to four billion for three years, or it, somebody insane gives him like a six by six, like that's his big ticket, oh right? So <laughs> I love Richie. That six by six would age terribly by the fourth year. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I, 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 I'm not saying for the Coyotes. I'm just saying if somebody was stupid enough to no, do I'm it. I'm saying the hypothetical contract for anyone. Let's just yeah. say, let's use, let's pick on Nashville for two seconds. Say Nashville did it. Like again, I love Richie. By the fourth year, that wouldn't look so good. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um. Hmm. Did you want? I think we forgot to talk about Barrett Hayden. Did we forget to talk about Barrett Hayden? Yeah, we we. I don't think we did. Barrett Hayden. After 11 games, and yes, his, his plus-minus looks particularly bad. It's higher than I think everyone else on the team at negative 10. So I, I, he's doing a lot of things right. I just don't know if it's where he's at in the lineup. I don't know if it's just uh, getting outplayed. I don't know if it's... It, well, he's been, the, playing against, the, he's been playing against all the first lines. <laughs> That's what's going well, he's, on. He's been top six all year, right? So it's been between the first and second line. He's well, no, no, no. Against, yeah, playing against other teams' yeah. first lines, like... It's hard to stay a positive plus minus when you're dealing with Jason Robertson, you know, breathing down your neck the whole game. I don't even need positive plus minus. I would just like around negative five. <laughs> you know, you know. Why negative five? But, is that your favorite number? Tell me. I, I like five. five. Five is a very good number. It's a, it's a solid right. number. You five. look at it. You just, you know, it's got the curve. It's got the the solid edges. There's a lot going on with the number five. All right. So what you're telling me is when we're on episode 50 plus, uh-huh. you're just going to be on cloud nine. Until episode 55, yes, because episode 55, oh, I don't care damn. if they win the cup. All right. uh, 55 will be an Ed Jovanovsky hate video. That'll just oh. be the, the entire. <laughs> anyway, but with Barrett Hayden, it's like I, I still, regardless of that number, I know it's a team stat, but also if yours is higher than everyone else, it does show some sort of message. I've mm-hmm. seen him play so smart two-way game. I just I don't know how it's that high, except for is it really as simple as he's just playing against the best talent? Uh, sorry, I keep yawning. I would say so. I think it's it's really that simple. I think it's <laughs> when you're going up against Jason Robertson and you're going up against Connor McDavid and you're going up against Sidney Crosby, <laughs> every single night you have that first line that you're going up against. It's hard to stay competitive and to stay even remotely close in your plus minus, especially when you're putting sense. up no offensive points either. All right. So last night, I'll also shout out to Jack McBain. Got another assist last night, along with Josh Brown getting a goal. 
But uh, thanks, Grav. Two two more goals. I I know, right? So Clayton Keller passes it to Barrett Hayden, and it's a decent little shot, but it's one of those things where maybe it was a bit rushed. Maybe he just didn't get all of it on on a shot. So you think, okay, it's a routine save. Then it just kind of pokes its way through, and then you got Nick Ritchie right there to clean up the change. I really would have liked Hayden to get the first point in mullet. I feel like that would have been pretty good for him. But now that the monkey's off his back, now he's finally got that first point. Do you think, like, do you think he's been playing with a little bit of, like, a, is anxiety the right word? Where it's like, you know, hey, you're kind of in your own head. Where it's like, hey, I need to, I need to produce. I need to produce. Do you think he's been playing with a little bit of that? And do you think that first point finally getting registered will calm it and we'll start seeing like a point every three to four game pace from here on out. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I I said at the beginning of the season that I expected 55 points from him, 50 to 55 points. Uh, mm-hmm. So far, he's not on pace for that. So, Wasn't I a lot more conservative on that? I was like, I'll be good with what? Like, was it 15 goals and 40 points or something like that? Or 10 goals and 40 points or something like that? Yeah, so something more modest. my goodness i don't show off my ankles richie i'm a very modest woman oh okay i do i'm a good time you're not (laughs) you can admit it i can admit i'm not a very good time uh that's that's why the vlog has just turned into a lightning rod for angry canadians I think he's on pace for like 10 points, so I hope that's not the case and that he picks it up. He has a good night. Would you like a point every other game? Would you consider that to be a success moving forward and that would kind of salvage the season after the cold start? Or is it just kind of like, I'll take what I can get because it was a really cold start? Um, honestly, I'm, I don't know. So statistically speaking... I would say a point every other game would have to be what he's at starting now. Um, if he's still like one point every 10 games, I would say that that's a disappointment to me big time. I don't care if you're playing against the best, you know, line every single night. Like you got to get points, whether whether that's five on five or power play or whatever needs to get done. Um because he's still, I think he's been getting power play time. I think he's been standing in front on the uh, PP2, I want to yeah, say. He's been on the second power play unit. I don't know who he's paired with, but... Wait, was Gunner, Gunner on the second yeah, power play unit? Gunner Michelli uh, was on that PP2. Um, and then... Uh, are you laughing at my PP2? Yeah, I'm laughing at your PP2. It's... Wow. You we pervert. are so mature here on the Designate Hockey Podcast. You, By the way, if you're still listening, get us to 100 subs, Pulls. We're like too shy. Come on. Come on. Get it done. Heckin' yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I've become, a, I've become an e-beggar. Richie must be so proud with the product he sees in front of him. Yes, yeah, you, I'm smiling. You do that, you consumerist little worm, you. <laughs> my my soul is extremely happy. Um, and then I, I don't remember who's the D-man that's uh, been playing uh, that second power Cause play. Because on the first pairing. Yeah, it, the first it, power play. I, I think JJ's been on that first sometimes as well, but I would uh, suspect him to be on power play too. Um, Sounds about right. When when Chickering comes back, he'll definitely be playing power play too. Yeah. 
because you want to get into power play time because I would like Chikrin to score like five goals in his first ten games and just, okay, you see, I scored, I'm out. Here's my <laughs> first round pick and, and Matt Knees. <laughs> I would do that in a heartbeat. I'm just saying. Dude, I would do Matt Knees for Chikrin. No. One. No. I would do it. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. You don't like these knees? I do like those knees, but he's still just a college student. You can't just bet everything on a college student. You have but to have he's some got capital the AZ there. Factor. Come on now. Jeez. What if what if Chick okay. <laughs> what if, what if Chickard scores five goals the first ten games? Call it five goals, two assists, seven points, right? So then it's 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 a first in Matt knees and we have to take I, who the hell was their bad contract? I, Jake whatever Muzzin. the bad contract would take. Muzzin. So we're taking Muzzin back, right? What if then, like, ten games later, Chick's out for the rest of the year and we made out like bandits? You're, you're playing what ifs just as much as you're playing what ifs that Matt Neese is going to be an NHLer. He's a second round Matt, pick. I don't care if he's from Arizona. He's a second round pick. The likelihood Arizona, of him making the NHL is like 5%. No, he's going to score 40 in the NHL. He's an, he's an Arizona boy. You can cope right? harder, but that's such a risk. You can put me on the ice and I'll score 40 goals. It's the Arizona fact. <laughs> It's that it's that AZ blood. <laughs> Look at Tage Thompson. Look at how that guy's playing. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Look at Josh Doan. Oh wait, he's still gonna be in college for like two more years. Donor is enjoying his college years. You let that boy party. All right. Well, I will say NHL though, NHL be ready for it. <laughs> I will say though, could you imagine a Matt Knees, Logan Cooley, Josh Doan line? Oh, oh baby. Well, one better. You one better. Matt Knees, Austin Matthews, Josh Stone. You know, oh. all Arizona line, boys. The all Arizona line. I like that one. That, that's a good and one. Then we, get, then we trade for Cutter Gauthier. Unfortunately, it's going to cost us Lawson Krause and, uh, and uh, Barrett Hayden, but it's worth the sacrifice. Jesus. <laughs> I want an all Arizona cup. Think about it. Think about how stupid it would be to have like an all Arizona team What's, and they win the cup in mullet. What are you trading away to get Tage Thompson? You trading trading Logan Cooley for Tage Thompson? No, Logan Cooley could stay. We're we're gonna make him an honorary if he transfers to ASU, he'll be an honorary Arizonan. We we, we can make that work. We can make that happen. Okay. Uh uh Schmaltz and a first. Oh. I don't think they're gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take Schmaltz one of the most dominant first. center centermen that <laughs> Buffalo's had in ten years. We're gonna give him one gently used Nick Schmaltz. All right, that all first right. better be Connor Bedard because they ain't doing that. <laughs> uh, a gently used Nick Schmaltz and uh, and uh, Travis Boyd, who has chemistry with the gently used Nick Schmaltz. Oh wow! Now that <laughs> you put it that way. <laughs> now that you put it that way, no. <laughs> All I re- we're gonna call back uh, David Spina to play to play on the fourth line. Uh, we'll sign Johnny Walker from the Utah Grizzlies. Put him on the third line. There we go. We got scoring everywhere. It's all from Scottsdale. Hell, with uh, Demetrius Kumunsis, whenever he uh, graduates, we can sign him too and have him be a third line center. I've I've got this team planned out. It's an all Arizona team. It's who's the uh, it who was the captain of ASU last year that. That signed to uh, Tucson. 
Uh, Thyssen. Colin Thyssen. But I, Thyssen. I don't think he was the captain. I think he was... Or, someone else was the captain. Oh, okay. I think he had Nay on his jersey. Wasn't, uh... Wasn't he from Arizona as well, too? Or no? I... I don't remember. I'm gonna Google this live. You say what you're gonna say, and I'm okay. gonna Google this live. I was gonna say if he's if he's there too, we call him up. We send uh, we send somebody else back down. We'll 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 put Cassian through waivers. Cassian will go down. He's from Michigan. Oh okay. Well, never mind then. And he was the captain. You're right. Holy crap! I thought he was the A. Yeah, don't doubt me. Right? I didn't watch I, a single I, minute I of that that season, but somehow I knew it more than you did. First off, all I did was keep track of the numbers because I was busy as hell last year. Yeah, you got the notebook, I was... okay? But I only I got my brain, and in my brain notebook. works. My, my brain works like <laughs> half the time. But but you're sitting there saying Matt Nees won't score forty goals in the NHL. I, I don't you're think you know what you're right, he won't. <laughs> I don't think you know what you're talking about. What's next? What's next? Austin Matthews is just an okay hockey player. Hey, you watch your mouth. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The mustache is just an okay hockey player. Thank you. The mustache is... You can insult the mustache because I'm not a big fan of the mustache. But don't you dare bro, insult bro, my, he, my boy. He should grow out his hair and spike it up and then he could be Vegeta from Dragon Ball GT for Halloween. He definitely could. I do like the uh, the uh, comparisons of uh, him to who is it Pablo Escobar or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my we, goodness. We 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 have to avoid that comparison, even jokingly, because remember, Biz almost got canceled for making that joke. Really? Yeah, because remember, because uh, he, he's like, oh, you know, tell Pablo to calm down. It was obviously because like the mustache. I think there was like a like a a Netflix show or something that was out at the same time, so it was like. Basically, like like making a Jeffrey Dahmer joke now, and yeah. then I, which this I didn't even know Austin Matthews was part was part Hispanic either, uh, but it's like oh everyone got mad at him for that thing. It was like a racist comment, but it was literally just like if it, you said he, I look like any bro, other bro, he has a mustache. Like observational joke. Yeah, he has a mustache <laughs> from the eighties. Like I could do if I'm rocking that mustache, I'd be called Pablo Escobar. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> All right, we're moving on. <laughs> hey, listen, when I have my mustache, it is the porn stash from the 80s. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like, can we just, like, have a two-second conversation here? And I'm going to call my wife out specifically on this. Like, uh -oh. when I first had the mustache, she's like, oh, oh, it's so bad. It's so, you know, whatever. And she wanted me clean-shaven or something. And then, for whatever reason, like, the last time I had it, it was like, that's hot. Oh. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you like? I I I looked like Ken Bone when I was at that Tempe <laughs> Council meeting, and I thought it was funny. But like, I like the stash and all. But what do you like? What changed about the mustache? What made it go from I don't like it to I don't know? It's kind of hot. That's it's a pretty <laughs> thick mustache. That's that's a good caterpillar you got there, boys. Thought <laughs> my wife was she she uh, originally really liked the long hair like what I have now. Uh, but uh, I sh I would uh, shave my head when it, the summer rolled around because it was it'd get too hot, and uh, she started liking my short hair all of a sudden after like a few times. I'm just like, what changed? <laughs> you know, like nothing changed. Do you, do you think like women have like that ideal look they want for their guy, and then whenever the guy goes against that, it's like, oh, I don't like it. But then they get used to it, and they're like, honestly, that's not bad. Like, do you think that's what it is? I, I, uh, probably. I, I, it has to be. Because even with the beard before, 
like she didn't like it. And I'm like, as long as you've known me, I've always rocked the beard. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I I, I have a weak. Chin. I'm not leafy, but I have a weak chin when, when the beard's gone. Right. So We're, it's like I gotta hide you, it. You and I both are part of the weak chin society. All right. <laughs> We're we are. We are founding members of that society. If you'd like to join the Weak Chin Society, feel free to uh, send in a request at Desert Moon Hockey on Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to have the most interesting DMs to look through. <laughs> anyway, we yeah. are we well, are so far off topic. Uh, we've we've derailed. Um, <laughs> We've derailed. You know what? In honor of this conversation, I'm going to, without my wife knowing, until she gets home, I'm going to shave back down to the mustache, and I will record her reaction and post it on Twitter. So look at, hey, at, at the AZ Sports Guy, or even at Desert Moon Hawk, because I couldn't put hockey, so Desert Moon Hawk. And all there you go. We'll, we'll have this mustache conversation on Twitter. But for the Coyotes, yes, they have that good comeback win last night, good competitive hockey. It's fun to watch. I, I did break up the schedule because I didn't want to look ahead just a little bit. Because I'm like, look, Washington's not as good as they should be. Coming up, they got in on Tuesday up against Buffalo. They're a good team. You probably don't win that one. New York, they're starting to figure it out. I think there's a 30% chance they come out with a win, but I, I'd be happy with a loss there. The Devils seem like they're also kind of finally figuring some stuff out. Finally. You'll probably lose that, uh, which is good because I don't like Jack Hughes. Uh, New York Rangers, you probably lose that again. Then you go to Vegas, you're going to lose that. <laughs> Uh, Nashville, yeah. I think they beat Nashville. I think they got Nashville, Carolina, Detroit, and Minnesota to end the month. I think they walk out of Nashville and maybe Detroit with victories. I think Minnesota's finally started to figure it out to where they'll, they'll be a playoff team by the time, uh, or at least like a little better of a playoff team by the time you know Coyotes get there. But I feel like Nashville and uh, Detroit are the two games that are winnable. All right, I'm calling it now. I'm calling my shots here. Uh, Let's do it. Detroit going to be eight goals. Coyotes are putting up eight goals again. Oh, my God. Detroit, <laughs> Detroit's getting blown out in Detroit by the Coyotes. That's going to be an interesting episode. That's our, that's our uh, insert sports betting app bet of the game. Yeah, make sure to, Money line, to go to insert that sports betting. Insert that sports Actually, I got betting. one. Please, waste your money. Actually, for one time only. Oh, my God. One free advertisement. No, no, we do not do free ads unless it has something to do It has with, to do with, with the Coyotes. Sonic the Hedgehog. It has unless to do with the Coyotes. Sonic the Hedgehog, no free ads. Okay. Is it Sahara Betts? Use Sahara Betts. Our, <laughs> did you know that Sahara Betts was was owned by our, our owner, Alex Morello? Use... Hashtag Sahara Betts as whatever. I'm I'm done with the skit. Use, a, use, use our use our promo code mustache. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> use promo code Pablo. <laughs> anyway, that, that brings me to our last topic because we this is you guys are lucky. We give you like back to back long episodes. We we like yeah. to give it to our viewers long and hard. But anyway, wow. Um, All right, <laughs> really provocative there. I I am the most provocative uh, coyotes podcaster anyway uh let's talk about the goodwill all right we we gotta speed run this though we are we, we are, are we are we're I, I was gonna time. make a separate video and said i'm just gonna throw it in the coyotes report i'll talk about it here yeah. uh, of course the jokes write themselves ha ha funny he he here's the reason why goodwill is actually the perfect sponsor and you heard it here first 
It's I don't know if you ever worked at a Goodwill, but uh, my sister and her now husband did, and um, my well, mother-in-law. I did. know it's it, it's supposed to be a nonprofit, but they have things like sales quotas and and executives that come in and, and harass the store employees and also wear like thousand dollar suits and drive very nice cars. So if anything, Goodwill is such a perfect sponsor because you like like the Coyotes, you think they're a garbage organization, you think. They're, they're a poverty franchise, but in reality, they're making so much money behind the scenes you cannot fathom. But the company itself can't post a profit because they're, they're a non-profit, so they pay their executives very well. It's how a lot of charities get away with uh, being non-profits. But yep. uh, just, just to give you a little bit of a, of a truth bomb there from a very extremely-based libertarian. Fun, fun fact, <laughs> in the United States, a non-profit uh, or a charity... Um, only has to put like ten percent of the actual revenue to charity. That is the that is the truth. That only ten percent. So if if I'm just gonna make up a a, a charity here that that this mm-hmm. isn't actually true. But if like Make a Wish is getting like a million dollars a year, only ten percent of that actually has to go to charity based incentives. The rest now, of the money can go anywhere else it likes. There is one like actual reason for. For some of the money, it's like you do need to pay people to operate it. Yeah. And also, like, essentially marketing. Because, hey, if if I have Matt for Dogs Foundation, I want people to know the foundation exists. I want them to know, hey, we're doing this for dogs. Hey, I want you to come adopt the dogs. Like, I want, like, you need to know about it or else you're not really helping out. So I do get, like, a certain portion of it going to growing it. And, like, hey, you got to operate it. got to make sure people know what's going on. You can offer more help that way. But when the actual number is 10% going to the actual cause, that's the main reason why I I do not like charities. And I highly recommend if you have money that you want to give to charity, try to make a difference in someone's life specifically first. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if you, you're friends with a family that they're struggling to get by, like, hey, I was going to put, you know, donate 100 bucks for, like, Salvation Army or whatever. How about buy them a meal? Like, yeah, I would say. I, I found it personally, it's always more worth it to make a difference in an individual's life because at least, like, you know you're helping someone, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to want to donate, buy food and give it to a food bank. By far, that is the most important thing that um, you can do charitably uh, for your your community. Uh, As somebody who had to use food banks growing up as a kid, uh, they're very important. And they're very, 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 you know, good donations and, like, actually contributing you know well to society Mm -hmm. because straight up right there it's like it's kind of the the moral dilemma you have and like when you want to give money to a homeless person it's like well you don't know what they're gonna use the money for but if you give food to a homeless person you give clothes to a homeless person you give food or clothes to someone that that needs it you know something like that you know straight up there is no question of oh what are they gonna use it on it's i'm helping them in this way like specifically hey becky down the street you know is doesn't have you know a, a turkey for Thanksgiving or something like that. Okay, well I know at the very least now Becky has a a, a turkey. So it's yeah. like my personal philosophy is always like even hey fill up someone's gas tank <laughs> if you're gonna put that money in charity fill up someone's gas tank instead because that's especially when they were like six bucks a gallon. Oh yeah, that that makes a huge difference. Like the amount of times I've had like ten bucks to put in my gas tank and I'm like how am I gonna work this out throughout whether it's my bad decisions or not. I take responsibility for the times it was my bad decisions. But it's like, I know that makes a difference. So it's like, seriously, consider, like, specific people or specific families that are trying to help specifically. So it's like, you know you're helping someone instead of just, well, 
I gave money to a charity, so they're probably helping someone. You know. Yep. Anyway, anyway that was a yeah. very weird tangent. <laughs> that was a weird tangent. Uh, but to end off the tangent, uh, good will good because it's a great sponsor okay. for the Coyotes. Coyote they might not bad. be. Yeah, they might not be a good company, but great company for the Coyotes. Well, as Craig Morgan pointed out, they do at the very least, like unironically, they do provide goods for like good prices. That it, it mm-hmm. is better, like that would be the value not, that you're like, giving yeah. to the community. Essentially, is yeah. that it's a secondhand thrift store, right? <clears throat> so so it's like, hey, there's a bunch of clothes no one wants to wear. Instead of throwing it away, well, now someone that hey, cl- I don't know if you noticed, even at Walmart, clothes are getting expensive. To where it's like, I might start going to the, the, like those uh those like little discount stores. Like you can get some pretty decent little clothes there. But it's like. Hey, mm-hmm. I can't afford ten dollars for a shirt. I can go to Goodwill and get three of them for six. Yep. So it's you know any anytime I'm getting like <laughs> like dress clothes, like suit jackets and stuff like that, I always go to like Goodwill and uh, Saint Vincent de Paul and and uh, there was another one that I, I I go to as well. That's for the Humane Society, I think. Uh, that one's on Cave Creek or something somewhere up there. Uh, I go to there as well. They. Always, always great to find dress clothes there because a lot of people like they'll they'll wear like a suit like five times. It's like a brand new suit, and you get it for like twenty bucks, thirty bucks. That's how I got my suit coat. Like mm-hmm. the, we were at, cause I think I was doing it for like when I was transitioning to to the new setup for the channel, and it's like, hey, it'd be kind of cool to have have that. The same thing I wore for our little draft party, and it's like mm-hmm. it looks nice. I think my wife paid eight bucks for it. <laughs> it, yep. it wasn't expensive, and it's like, hey. Look, I'm not a very fancy dresser, but I have a use for it. Very good value. Stuff like that. There's this, this place I, I like going to. It's a card shop. But it's like more like a secondhand shop. I go there for, like, you know, trading cards. Uh, I'm not going to say the name specifically because I know free promotion, but it's on Grand. But uh, if you, like, in the same plaza, it's like this little discount store. And I'm like, I might need to come get some dress shirts here. There's, yeah. some, there's some nice polos here. And it's, like, ten bucks or, or six bucks for some of the shirts. I'm like, dude... I'm not picky. I, I'm not up to date with the latest fashion trends. I just want to have a nice shirt. Yep. I'd like to have a few good work shirts. <laughs> yep. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> so anyways, if you anyway, want... Goodwill good, Coyote's bad. Remember to move them to Houston. Uh, make, make sure to, like, you know, dislike and unsubscribe. Like, we shouldn't even have a platform. Like, we're, we're such trash fans and trash people that, honestly, you should probably cancel us and take the Pablo joke out of context. I think that's what you should you should do all right go away subscribe whatever Mm. love you guys (laughs) all right see you later